You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 27, Mary Ann Weisinger on Making Your Parish a Center of Hope and Evangelization. Mary Ann Weisinger is the Director of Evangelization and Parish Outreach for the Archdiocese of Miami, and she's working with Archbishop Wenske to help Miami parishes become centers of hope and evangelization. In this episode, Marianne breaks down what that means, explaining how they're helping parishes become centers of hope by building parish communities where parishioners will risk face-to-face encounter with each other. She then shares an interesting strategy that the Miami parishes are using to better understand the realities of the people within their parish boundaries, and then tailor their parish offerings to better reach those individuals. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today in studio with our producer, Marisa, who you don't often get to hear from. But today, today is your lucky day. She's sitting across from me with a microphone in her face, and we're going to have some conversation today. So welcome, Marisa. What's up? Not much, Alan. It's good to be here. It's good to, um, you're always here. It's good to see you and hear you (laughs) on the other side over there. We were just laughing because we thought... Maybe maybe some listeners are confused and think I'm supposed to talk more since I chime in occasionally, but it's rare. <laughs> maybe people are like, why does she sit there and just not talk? <laughs> she is very busy with buttons and switches and knobs and sound volumes and levels and all kinds of crazy stuff over there. Chords. Chords, yes. Lots and lots of chords. <laughs> so before we get started, I'd like to ask our listeners to, if you wouldn't mind, going online to ascensionpresents.com slash AR, where you can take a survey. Um, it's really easy to find. It simply says, we'd love to hear from you. Click on the survey, and it'll take you to the survey, and you can fill out some information. You can fill out some information so we can figure out, or so we can learn who you are, so we can then tailor our episodes to you. Um, so that would be very helpful. So please, if you wouldn't mind taking, uh, there's just 10 questions, I think. Just take a minute and a half, two minutes, and fill that out, and let us know who um, who's listening, so we can um, talk directly to our audience a little better. So, all right. So, a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, I guess, I was on a trip to Steubenville, Ohio, with my teens at a youth conference. Uh, Colin was on vacation fishing, and uh, Tom, being the responsible one, was hard at work uh, traveling and working and doing all the things that Tom McCabe does. So Marisa had a conversation with Marianne Weisinger, who is the Director of Evangelization and Parish Outreach in Miami, Florida. And she had a conversation about a few things. And so I just want to talk to her today and get some of Marisa's feedback from that conversation. So first of all, Marisa, can you tell us um, a little bit more about Marianne? Absolutely. Marianne Weisinger is, as you said, the Director of Evangelization and Parish Outreach for the Archdiocese of Miami. So she is responsible for a lot, as you can imagine, because the Archdiocese of Miami is massive and there are many, many different Catholics um, from all different backgrounds and cultures and speak different languages. Um, so Marianne, actually, it's interesting, she went to Stanford and she got her undergrad in biology. And in her conversation, she was sharing a little bit of her testimony with me. And she was telling me about how um, she was always kind of an overachiever in high school. And she got to college, the college of her dreams. She was extremely involved. But at a certain point, she just was left feeling very unfulfilled and empty and disconnected. And um, it was kind of at that point where she realized her need for the Lord 
and started to pursue him more fervently and experience his love in her life. And, um, that was the, the relationship that fulfilled her. Um, so after that, she went to Franciscan university, she got her master's there, um, in I think catechesis and she was recruited before she finished up there, um, to go and work at the diocese of Oakland in California. And that was because she's bilingual. She grew up in El Paso. And so she has a very strong, um, connection with Latino culture and, um, she's Spanish speaking. So she, um, went to Oakland. She worked there for a while. She also became involved in St. Paul's street team evangelization and she became a trainer for them. And I share that because that is something that struck me the most is that Marianne is not someone who just talks about the need to evangelize and talks about, um, she's not just a, an abstract somebody who sits in a diocesan office and tells other people how to evangelize. Mm. She actually does it herself. Um, she was sharing about how for her evangelization is a way of life, um, from riding in Ubers and (laughs) talking to Uber drivers to talking to people at picnics or, um, when she's out on a walk or wherever she is, she really wants to bring people to a deeper level of friendship, a deeper, deeper level of community and be able to eventually share with them, um, the message of the gospel. So I was really struck and blessed by Mary Ann's, um, just obvious desire to serve the Lord in her life. Um, she's a a very holy woman. I was really impressed and, um, kind of humbled to be speaking with her. So there's a lot that she shared in this conversation that I really think is going to be valuable to those of you who either work in parishes or who work in diocesan offices. Um, So I'm excited to kind of share those clips of Marianne's conversation with you guys today. And you told me that your conversation was about the parish being the center of hope and evangelization. And I believe um, that's what you guys focused on, correct? That's right, yeah. And are you going to break that down for us into what it means to be a parish as a center of hope? And then we can talk about what it means to be a parish as a center of evangelization. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll provide a little context. This is um, kind of part of uh, an initiative that the Archdiocese of Miami is doing with Archbishop Winsky and Marianne. They're trying to help their parishes. They're taking eight to 10 parishes at a time and really working with those parishes to help them become parish missionary disciples. And one of the focuses of that effort is to Uh, make the parish a center of hope and a center of evangelization. And Marianne's conversation really kind of focuses on being that both end parish, a parish that is alive to itself, um, alive in Christ, but then also is, goes out of itself in order to bring more people to back to the parish. Um, So here's a little clip of her explaining that. So it's, it's, it's a both end. So we start with, it's both, a center of hope and evangelization. So I think the first part for me is really helping um, form the community aspect of the church. You know, they, um, in, in the book Churchless, we talk about the reality that people need about to, have, to be in relationship with at least seven people within their parish for them to feel like they're connected to their parish or at home. So what is what are the steps that we need to take to help people get to know each other and feel connected to one each other to each other to feel known in their parish. So that's the first step, you know, is, is how do we make our parish feel like a family, feel like a community? How do we establish a culture where people can feel accepted 
even before they look like or act like the rest of the people in the parish. So I think, you know, this, uh, you know, year of mercy that we just went through and the Holy Father's invitations to be, you know, a church of mercy, to, you know, risk face-to-face encounters, to be, uh, a cu- to, to cultivate this culture of encounter are things that we really try to help the parishes think about how do we incarnate these invitations into the culture of our parish. And, and the second part is uh, being a center of evangelization is not being just content with uh, the people that are coming to our parish, but being to thinking about how do we be a parish that goes forth? How do we reach the people that are, you know, naturally within our church boundaries? How do we go forth to the people who are just at the, you know, peripheries of our parish? What does, what do the peripheries of our parish look like? How do we think about that? You know, and, and there are different strategies that we're using to think about peripheries and I think that's one of the ways that we use like the different demographic information and do a little bit of the studies of the area to think about who are the people that are right around us that might um, benefit from contact from us. Uh, but we really try to think about our parish, not only the people that are inside the parish walls or that are coming in, but everybody that is you know, within our parish boundaries. What is, and, and to start to think about like, what is the mission of our church in particular according to the place that it is in the time that it is with the people that are surrounding us. Gosh, I, I love that comment. Uh, how do we make people feel like they belong at the parish before they look like and act like people at the parish? I think that I know that I've been guilty of not wanting to, not consciously, I, I hope not consciously, but not welcoming somebody until they did what I did, looked at the, th- not, not looked like I looked, but did what I did, acted the way I acted, and it's like they had to be part of the club first before we accept them into the church. No, they belong, period. Whether they, they're not, they're not going to begin to act like in the people in the church until they feel like they belong. That's got to come. That's got to come first. Yeah, I think it's so easy to kind of make people's acceptance contingent upon their change. And I think it's like Christ, he would love people and invite them first and then after spending time with him after having some sort of relationship with him then that change would just come naturally uh, because as they get closer to him they couldn't help but be attracted by um, the fullness of his life and and the man that he was and i think that that is something that um yeah marianne so <laughs> so so wise to put her finger on on that being such an essential part of our parish outreach and another thing that I, I really like that she said is that um, we need to help people risk face-to-face encounter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Word. It's, uh, yeah, because people, people are so, um, I think, afraid of feeling awkward. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one thing, you know, if you're in ministry, you're probably a people person. And I mean, it, or if that doesn't come naturally to you, you work at it because you know that that's essential for the mission that you're undertaking. But I think so many people in the pews just, um, you know, our job is to help them learn this, help them take this risk of encounter, face-to-face encounter. Um, and and that might make them uncomfortable, but we've got to strategize on ways to do that. Yeah, I think the fear of rejection is real. Like that's a real, it's a real fear and it's a very valid fear. And I think... You know, in a sense, we're all people people because we're created for communion, but some people just have a knack 
have a better knack with people skills. But like you said, you just have to step out of your comfort zone and embrace the awkward and do it sometimes mm-hmm. and risk being rejected and risk feeling awkward. Right. And, and helping other people feel at least like they, that their risk is worth it. Yeah. Um, and that I think comes down to casting vision for what a parish that's really alive and mm-hmm. connected looks like. In this next clip, Marion talks about how being a missionary church doesn't really work unless you have somewhere to bring people to where they feel welcome and connected. Um, and so I think that that's also really important. I think sometimes we can either focus so much on building hospitality at the parish that we forget going beyond that. We become a little click. Um, you know, we're so proud of our strong parish community, but we don't really look out outside of ourselves. Um, or we're so we're so focused on going outside of the parish that sometimes we lose sight of what we need to do um, within the parish. And so Marianne talks about how these two prongs are so connected and so important to each other um, that one will fall flat without the other. There are kind of two prongs that have to uh, simultaneously be cultivated. We need to be a church that goes forth, certainly, but unless we have a place to bring people back to, sometimes it feels like the going forth can be in vain. Uh, because we bring, we, we, you know, we reach out, we extend the church's arm of mercy, but we want to bring them into a place where they see mercy in practice, fraternity and love and hospitality in practice so that they all stay. It's not just about bringing people in, but it's about being the people that they want to be a part of, being a community that they want to be a part of, and, um, and, and, and helping them believe that, understand that they too belong here. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's necessarily, those, those two prongs are necessarily connected. Whatever, whatever we do, whatever programs we bring in to, you know, go out to the periphery, we have to make sure that once we bring them in, they'll feel like they're part of the family and, and they'll want to stay. Yeah, that's, it makes, it seems so obvious, but how rare I think we're doing that. Like if we don't have a place to invite them to, then why are we going out and inviting them? If we're not inviting them to a place where they will actually want to come and, and feel like they belong. So we can spend so much time creating that atmosphere, but then never go and invite somebody to come, or the opposite, go out there and invite people into a place where they don't feel like they belong. It's so simple, but like so, it so, seems so obvious, but rarely done, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So did she talk to you at all about how to do that? Like any like practical ways to make that happen? Yeah, that's actually one of the questions that I asked her because I think it's easy to, again, it's easy to talk, but um, one of the things that I really appreciate about her and her position is that she really sees from all different angles, like how in different par- in different parish ministries, what that could look like. Well, certainly it has to be an initiative that, you know, the whole parish is involved in and that the pastor is committed to. And there's different strategies that you can do as a whole parish. Um, and, and there's tools that you can give people because I think sometimes people don't reach out because they're afraid of rejection or because they don't know how, um, or they haven't even thought, or they haven't even thought about it. But for example, like strategies that work uh, have worked in different places is, you know, really investing in a space after church to, uh, you know, be able to congregate as a community, whether that be, uh, making the foyer a little more comfortable, doing air, some air conditioning or some misting or something so that people can actually hang out and stay even though it's hot 
you know, taking some time uh, before Mass starts to share a prayer intention, and you can pray for them throughout the Mass or at different moments in the Mass. Um, but it's it's also just inviting the parishioners to take the risk to get to know somebody. Um, and, you know, it's it's teaching them how do you begin a conversation? How do you build common ground with somebody? You know, and inviting them to do things that are even a little bit more radical, like inviting people to your family breakfast after mass. If you see a single person say, would you like to go out to brunch with us? If you see a single, if you see a single mom, encourage her, maybe invite her out at some point Uh, or encourage her or encourage families who have small kids and tell them, Hey, your kids did great at mass today. Um, But there's, there's, there's so many little things but they have to be generated. Usually they're the most successful if the pastor is on board and he's kind of coaching people through. And there's so many creative little ways that we can reach out to one another and, and be committed to that culture of community, of family. Yeah, people don't like to go to the bathroom by themselves or like to see a movie by themselves. People think that's weird. So much less go to a big community event like a church you know, to go by yourself is if somebody is doing that and stepping out and put themselves out there, then yeah, acknowledge them and, and, um, and let them know that they're seen and welcomed and invite them to go to brunch or something with you. Right. And the next, so in the next clip, she talks about how maybe to do this if your parish pastor is maybe not making this a priority. That was one of the answers that she had. She said, this is a lot easier to do if it's a, an entire parish that's making this a priority. Um, but we all know that that's not always the case. And so this is what she had to share with us about what to do if maybe this is not at the top of the, your pastor's list. So I really like what Pat Lencioni calls uh, distinguishing between your circle of care and your circle of influence. Uh, your circle of care may be very, very wide, and you might be concerned with uh, a lot of people or situations or things, but you don't necessarily have control over it versus your circle of influence is the area that you do have control over and the people that you do have influence over. So I'd begin there. Um, if you're a person that in ministry, there are certain people that you do have influence over or that you can, you know, coach or instruct or advise. And I would begin with our own ministries. And I think, you know, I, I go back to my strategies that I learned through St. Paul Street Evangelization, but it's, you know, giving people the practical tools of how do you build common ground? How do you share your testimony? How do you uh, begin a faith conversation? And when you give people very simple tools like that, um, beginning deeper friendships just within the people that you're next to in your parish uh, does not seem like a daunting or impossible task. It could start as small as your family. My family is going to be a family that welcomes other families. It can be your prayer group. My prayer group is going to be intentionally kind or welcoming to the people that they encounter at church today. Um, if you're an RCIA director, it can be, uh, I want to help my the people going through the RCIA process be protagonists in, in welcoming others in, into into the church, even though, even though that they're not fully there yet, but they can also welcome and love other people. It can be the people in my Bible study. It can be the you know, if you're RC, if you're a DRE, you know, um, my catechists, whoever it is that you can invite into this process, um, even just kindness towards one person makes all the difference and is the beginning of uh, a change of the culture. Uh, because that one person who receives that kindness 
might in turn be able to uh, return that kindness to somebody else. I think it's important, you know, especially the starting with within your family, but there are certain times and places where a community or a group like a family needs to kind of form a circle and face inward and, and focus on building up that community, that family. But then there are places like when you go to church where that family needs to then turn outward or like or the RCIA group or youth ministry team or the RCIA team where they are small groups where they're meeting small groups need to be faced inward in building the community. But when they go to church, they needed to, to turn outward and begin to look outside of their circle to bring others into the circle. That's a great visual. Why don't we take a quick uh, break? And when we come back, Marianne is going to talk about uh, using some unconventional methods, how you determine who you're going out to and how to go out to them, what your demographic is and how to approach them. Hey guys, this is Shayna from Ascension. I don't know if you've heard, but with Ascension's new digital delivery platform, you can start a study with anyone, anywhere. Here's how to do it. First, go to ascensionpress.com and create a free online account. Once you're there, preview any of our study programs for free and choose the one you'd like to lead. Then, find at least three friends, family members, or coworkers who want to do the study with you. Once you have your group, make sure everyone registers to receive their study materials. Then, you're ready to go. Meet with your group in person, online, or both. It's that simple. All right, and we're back. We've been talking with Marianne Weisinger about the parish being a center of hope and evangelization. And in the first part of the show, we talked about the parish as a center of hope and a place to uh, bring people to where they feel like they belong um, and how important that is that they that we have a place like that that we can invite people to. And now we're going to talk about going out and some of the um, data that she used, correct, Marisa, about how to determine who your demographic is, who you're going out to evangelize and reach out to, and then how to um, approach that particular demographic. Yeah, that's right. So this is one of the parts of the conversation that I found particularly interesting because it's something I just hadn't heard about. Uh, Marianne's going to share with you guys about how the Archdiocese of Miami is helping their parishes use demographic sociological data in order to better understand what the peripheries of their parish look like. And then um, she's going to talk about how each parish kind of discerns the approach to reaching those peripheries or those people within the peripheries. Yeah, it really came from Archbishop Wenski, who really wanted to make sure that as part of the project that we're doing, we use sociological demographic data to understand, you know, what's going on at each parish. What is that? reality of each parish? And are we meeting the needs of the people that live within the parish boundaries? And so uh, we found a program called Mission Insight. And um, Mission Insight uh, gives us a, a, a wonderful analysis of the people who are attending our parish. And they, you know, they tell us things like uh, the racial and ethnic groups that participate in our parish, the age trends, you know, the age of the children that may be uh, going to the church, um, household income, marital status, educational attainment, uh, employment and occupations, uh, and even, you know, religious preferences or uh, ministry preferences that are true of the people that are attending our parish, which has been uh, tremendously eye-opening and, and helpful uh, and, and has helped uh, some of our parishes be able to 
you know, really uh, make sure that what they offer matches the demographic needs of the parish. Yeah, because you imagine if you're going out and you're you're inviting people to like a couple's dinner and you're in like a really high singles area, like who's going to want to go to the, or vice versa? Right. You know, come into their singles night and you approach a family of seven. You're like, come, come out for our singles night. Right. Oh, sorry. Or if you're offering nights for couples, you know, married couples to, to enrich their marriage, but you're not providing um, childcare, but they, you know, you find out they have, there are lots of children or lots of young parents. Um, so I, th- I thought that this was really interesting because, um, I think no matter who you are, it's so easy to assume that, you know, what people need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and even here at Ascension, you know, we, we have all of our own personal preferences and our personal kind of, um, thoughts about what, what people need out there what studies they might like to do or whatever and we have these preconceived notions and I think it's uh, really I think it's really an act of humility to really try to find out okay no what really is the situation that people are dealing with out there Um, and this is not to say that you go around changing the faith um, you know trying to tailor it to meet these people tailor it to meet these people shave a little off here shave a little (laughs) off there that's totally not what Marianne's talking about. Um, and she actually, um, she, I asked her if she's experienced people resisting because they're afraid that, um, this kind of methodology invites that kind of changing or trying to adapt the faith, um, in a way that is not fully Catholic. It's, it's amazing. Um, when we start to, I mean, I've definitely encountered people that worry that, you know, the mission of the church to be God's face of mercy is and is somehow not consistent with um, desiring to protect and and give protect the deposit of the the deposit of the faith or give somebody the fullness of the faith, which is it was truly our goal. But like you mentioned, there's there's a, a journey of faith, and and we have to really begin sometimes even at the pre-evangelization stage. You know, like it's just winning people's trust, winning the right to be heard cultivating friendship, but it's always, you know, with the goal of helping them encounter Christ. I recently read uh, an article by Cardinal Rilko, and he says, uh, the goal of the church is not to be attractive. The goal of the church is to be transparent to Jesus. Mm. So it's, it's not about, you know, these gimmicks or whatever, doing something that will get people in the door at any cost but rather we're recognizing where they are. We're recognizing that we need to build trust, to build friendships, and it's just a very human level. But the goal is always to help them to encounter Jesus. We just take little baby steps, you know, and, and help them, you know, build a relationship of trust with us. And as they trust us, they hopefully will encounter something that is different about us and that thing which should be different about us is the love of God that is reigning in our heart. Mm. And so all of our steps are to help this person get in touch with this love, this love that is that is bigger than we are, that is this love that is the love of Jesus. And so if we begin in these very, you know, simple stages of winning trust and building relationships, it's because we want to do, you know, we want to follow what the GDC calls 
the pedagogy of the Father, or God's pedagogy, which he reveals himself, um, you know, in our lives and over the course of salvation history, slowly and in stages. That is his way. Hmm. He, ju- he shows us just what we can handle, and he's very patient uh, while, while we catch up to him. And then he shows us more, and then he shows us more. I think that's what that's what accompaniment is, is, is meeting a person where they are and walking with them very patiently at their pace and, and waiting for the Holy Spirit to act and God to open those doors. But yes, the ultimate desire of our heart for every person is that fullness of, of friendship and union with Christ. We just can't take them from A to Z, uh, you know, and, and skip all the, all the stages in between. Man, that is so good. God is patient with us, and He keeps waiting for us to catch up. That is like music to my ears because I feel like I'm always just like trying to catch up to Him as He's you know leading me, and I'm slacking, and then trying to sprint to catch back up again. And thank God, literally, literally, that He is patient with us. Yeah, and and patient over the course of a thou- thousands of years. I mean, I know that He has a different sense of time Time. (laughs) (laughs) he's outside of time um but i think we can get so impatient and i think this is really personally edifying for me to be reminded of that need for trust in my life that if if god if this was god's pedagogy then who am i to have a different timeline Mm, a different kind of um perspective so i know that um I know that there's a lot of controversy out there, especially in the um, really fervently Catholic circles about this idea of accompaniment. But I think Marianne just gives such a beautiful explanation of it um, as she talks about trying to understand and reach these different groups within the parish peripheries. Um, now, I asked her in this next section, I wanted to know if there was anything that parishes could use that isn't so she said they use mission insight but i know a lot of you guys don't have money maybe to to throw at that so i asked her if there's a free resource that you guys could use um to get to know some of those people around the boundaries of your parish Um, and she said that there is a free resource called factfinder.census.gov and she said you could immediately start poking around and, and finding some insight into um, your surrounding areas. So I encourage you guys to maybe give that a shot and see what you can find out. Um, in this next clip, she talks a little bit about what happens once you get that data, what kind of process the parish should go through. And one of the things that she emphasizes is that no, no two parishes are going to have the same response to a similar demographic uh, because the gifts of the people at that parish are unique and the circumstances of that parish are unique. Um, And so she talks about the need for discernment. um, And she said, you know, actually it was kind of funny. I asked her, oh, well, you know, could you throw out some ideas of ways to reach X demographic? And I gave one. And she said, well, not really because it's something that you have to really take time with. And it took me back and humbled me there for a second because I think we are so much about, okay, give five quick tips for X, Y, Z. And she is so much more discerning. Um, and mm. she really kind of pushed back against that in her lovely, gentle way. Um, <laughs> and it reminded me of that. So thank you, Marianne. <laughs> so here she is. 
that's where the work of prayer and discernment and, you know, uh, trial and error come in, seeing yeah. what people res- respond to. Um, and, and people might respond to one initiative and not to another. And, and who knows why? But um, it's definitely a prayer. It's, it's a work of trial and error and reliance on the Holy Spirit and trusting that God's going to be showing us how to respond to, to, to these needs. In this next snippet, I talk with her about the need to discern the gifts of those in the parish in order to discern then how you're going to respond to those needs. Uh, we do uh, St. Catherine of Siena's Called and Gifted, which is a discernment of, of people's charisms, which is their God-given gifts that are given at baptism for the sake of their work in church, which I think is a wonderful discernment tool. We also use uh, Living Your Strengths, uh, but and that's through Gallup. And, and this is just learning about your natural gifts, like what are you good at? And I think we do that with our parishes to help them just see uh, and and think about who are the people on your team and what are the gifts that they bring to the table. Mm. Uh, our My boss also really likes using sacraments. So just learning about how you function as a person in the world and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And that also helps us to know who are we going to put in what position. Mm. But all of these things is acquiring self-knowledge to think about like, what is the mission that God has entrusted me, you know, in my life, in my parish, in my community. So any good team is going, it needs to have a balance of strengths so that, you know, and and we build those strengths around the leader of the team. Uh, But it is, you know, as a team that we're really able to be most effective. And I think God intended it that way. He didn't give anybody the whole set of all the gifts, <laughs> but it's it's. It, I think it's in part to remind us that we need each other, mm. and that we need the different parts of the body, and that each part of the body has a, you know, a, a focused task or a function within the body as a whole, and that's. I I just find that to be so beautiful. That's so important. You know, people have. People have gifts, they have talents, and they want to use them. And I think when people are using those gifts to contribute to that vision, is it's much different than um, someone feeling like they're being used to do something because someone needs something done. And so, hey, come get Fred or, or go call the teen group or whoever to come do this thing rather than what gifts do they have that can contribute to this vision that we have and allow them to participate in that vision is a very different approach to ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, actually that's one of Marianne's um, personal, she feels like that's one of her gifts is to help other people discern their gifts. And I don't think we often, we oftentimes don't really think of that as being a part of our role Mm. as um, people in ministry. And so maybe if you're listening to this and that's something that's striking you, maybe that's the Holy Spirit working in your heart to help move you in that direction of working with your teammates, or maybe there's just one person on your team that really needs you to help them discern what God has put on their heart and the gifts that God has given them and how they can use those to serve better. So there you go. Marianne Weisinger on creating the parish as a center of hope and evangelization. Um, Thank you for uh, picking up our slack, Marisa, while we were gone and um, having that conversation with her and and doing double duty. That was really good. So if you want to contact us, you can. You can send us an email at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. Please go on to ascensionpresents.com slash AR and take our survey uh, so we can find out who you are. 
and taking a, a play out of Marianne's playbook. We're trying to figure out our demographic and so we can um, tailor our, our podcast to you guys a little better. So please do that. Know that we're praying for you and um, you're doing good work. Keep, keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.